It's your American patriot, DJ Drew Shelton. With insight and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world, we welcome you to the Jewess Patriot Show. Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. Remember, you don't have to be Jewish to be with Cindy. And now, coming from our WGBB studios in the tri-state area, your Jewess patriot, Cindy Gross. Hello and welcome to the Jewess Patriot Show. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Today's premier Jewish women activist. You don't have to be Jewish to be a part of the show, uh, to be a part of our audience, to be a guest, and to listen to us live on Sunday mornings uh, through 1240 AM and 95.9 FM uh, from the WGBB studios or tune in, or when you stream it and download it anytime, anywhere, on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, Podbean, and in Israel it comes out of Jewish Podcast, and you can download us there and listen to us anytime, anywhere. As many of you know, I open the show with my pearls of wisdom because I am Zisel Peril, which in Jewish means sweet pearl. And I have some interesting pearls of wisdom today that you wouldn't think I'd talk about, but I'm going to. I want to mention, I want to thank the Freshwater Pearl Company. And on today's show, you're going to meet the founder of the company uh, for sponsoring my pearls of wisdom. And join me in gaining your own pearls of wisdom from the wonderful selection of very reasonably priced necklaces, earrings, bracelets, and rings. And just remember, every purchase, part of the profits, go to a charity related to cancer because all of us are affected by knowing somebody in our family, a neighbor, a friend with that dreaded disease. So my opening pearls of wisdom relates to what today's national holiday is. It's National Radio Day. And what better way to celebrate than being on the radio, sitting in a studio where some of the best radio shows are coming from. It's the studio that is known as the oldest and most prestigious on Long Island. And people throughout the tri-state area listen to us and our devoted fans every Sunday and every day during the week. And I thank you for it, and I appreciate it, and we're all in this together. There's no I in team. So many of you ask, and I'm going to answer the question based on the topics discussed on today's show. Cindy, you are a Jewish woman activist. Don't you want to talk more about Judaism? And my answer is, everything I discuss relates to my Judaism. Because I am an American Jewish woman. But what makes me different than other Jewish uh, personalities on the radio or influences through social media is that, yes, I could have shows like I had recently on the anniversary of the Abraham Accords 
or talk about what's going on in Israel or anti-Semitism in America. But I could also talk about things that we value as American Jews that aren't necessarily Jewish, but relates to us. I'll give you a great example. Our first guest is Tanya Walker. Now, growing up, and now you know my age if I'm talking about soap operas and daytime Emmys when there were 14 shows and each was better than the next. You didn't have to be Jewish or Catholic or black or white or young or old or live in a city or live on a farm to appreciate daytime drama. It was so good. And it is surely missed based on so many fan clubs that are having in-person meetings and social media uh, groups that people are very active in on a daily basis. Happens to be Tanya was married to a Jewish man and her daughters are raised with the Jewish tradition. So when people say to me, Cindy, you're not talking about Jewish stuff. I say to you, why not? Why can't we discuss it? We're talking about an actress who was Jewish. And those are the things that unite us in a way. We don't have to wear it 24-7, who and what we are, to appreciate who and what we are and talk about it in multiple ways. Same thing with fashion. Same thing with movies. Same thing with books we read. And what I try to do on the show is open your eyes to look at things in a new way and to start discussions with people you wouldn't normally start them with. And that is why we celebrate National Radio Day. Advertising companies and research firms have found that it's not Instagram post or Facebook groups, but it's good old fashioned advertising regularly on AM and FM radio live or taped in studios where the audience is the most loyal and they follow their advertisers the most and actually purchase their goods. And as we are in a very poor economy right now that's not looking that great, those numbers are being taken more into account. I know that from the upcoming New York Fashion Week. I know that about fall book sales, summer book sales. I know that from restaurant owners. And you don't have to be Jewish to understand that. You don't have to be Jewish to relate to it, to be a part of it, and to join in on the discussion. And every single discussion that we are talking about is for all of us. And that is the beauty of celebrating National Radio Day. But of course, I, as a host, cannot celebrate it without telling you how much I appreciate each and every one of you. I really appreciate those that take the time to reach out to me one-on-one and who want to participate in the shows the best they can by offering ideas, offering their time, and more important, sharing 
the show so that more people listen to it. And that is why I am a Jewish woman activist and that you don't have to be Jewish to be a part of the show, but I am very proud to be a Jewish woman activist on AM FM radio and download it internationally. As I said, we have a huge guest today. My friend Tanya Walker, a daytime soap opera actress legend known for not one role, but actually three roles. And the funny thing is, this week, without even planning it, I have seen multiple news stories about interest in her returning to General Hospital. So after the commercial, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about many more timely things going on in the world of soaps, because you don't have to be Jewish to watch a good daytime drama. I'm Brian Schultz, founder of the Freshwater Pearl Company. I created the company to honor my mom's legacy and her 19-year journey with breast cancer. I watched all the support she needed along her journey, and it was on my heart to find a way to give back and support other women and families experiencing breast cancer as well. Giving back is a big part of what we do. We donate 2% of our gross online sales to support many nonprofit organizations like Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, the American Cancer Society, and Runway for Recovery, to name a few. To help support our mission of giving back, please keep the Freshwater Pro Company in mind this month when you need a gift for a friend, family, or loved one. We have many pieces on sale this month and have also curated a number of prepackaged combo sets and gift ideas. We have packages made from our most popular pearl types, ranging from Baroque freshwater pearls to coin pearls, as well as our unique and stylish Keshi pearls for all types of budgets and design. You can shop our combo packages and gift ideas at thefreshwaterpearlcompany.com. Thank you for supporting both our mission and our business. Welcome back. You know, you don't have to be Jewish to be a part of this show. And our next segment is really <laughs> perfect to describe it because I don't know too many Jewish girls or non-Jewish girls that didn't grow up loving soap operas and running home from school and adjusting their college uh, schedules to watch One Life to Live and All My Children and Capital and General Hospital and you name them. There was a time when there were like 14 soap operas and one was better than the next. Mm-hmm. And one of the ladies who was a superstar of the prime time, you know, the prime of daytime was Tanya Walker Davidson and she's with us today. And we are really here to honor our, uh, our history in the soap operas, one as an actress, one as a fan. And many of you know, like me, that so many legends have passed away too young, too talented. And Tanya worked with many of them, and she maintained friendships with many of them after they worked together. And I just thought it was a little nice tribute to them because so many of us have such fond memories 
And it brings back the ideas of wanting more soaps back and wanting to see these actresses again, like Tanya on the screen regularly. So thanks so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Oh, my pleasure, hon. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate your tribute to, uh, to the genre because, um, you know, it's gotten to be that there's four left, but everybody at nighttime is on a soap opera. I mean, everybody, all the primetime shows you need to watch last week or they do a recap before they show it, which cracks me up because that's, that's what a soap opera is, a continuing serial story. And that they've made everything on television a continuing serial story. Well, I, I honestly think they destroyed New York because let's face it, New York lost millions of jobs. And I'm not talking just the actresses. I'm oh, God, talking no. about the cameramen, the writers. How about all the caterers who, and the restaurants near the studios and, and all the florists? Exactly. I had $14,000 worth of orchids at my wedding to, to Asa. Oh, wow. To Asa. And they told me that. They said there were $14,000 worth of these little teeny yellow orchids. And I'm like, what are all, what are all those companies doing for money? I I mean, we, we just kept everybody employed. It was a wonderful, wonderful family of people. And, um, when ABC left, it just, it shut down so much. And then it was because of OJ Simpson is the reason it started the ending started because um, they were, you know, our shows were preempted and people had a habit of watching the show every day of their life for many, many years. And they would tune it on and it wouldn't be on or it would be on and it would be a different episode than should be on because it wasn't because OJ had preempted the show on one coast and not the other coast. And that's say they put the, you know, put the TV show on. It wasn't the, wasn't the right one. And it just, it just got crazy for people and they hated it. And, um, and then even in the OJ movie, um, there's a scene where Procter and Gamble and CBS are discussing how, uh, ABC has preempted the show and their ratings are higher than the ones on CBS that week. And they're like, and we're spending all this money on all these people and all these people that work here and the props and the sets, et cetera. And um, why don't we just take it off and put on OJ? And so that's what happened. I mean, it just it just um, disrupted everybody and got them to have a new habit. But the short they were short sighted. Well, because they have- never had that many people back in daytime since we were on, you know. No. And and they put on you know cheap shows with like three or four important people, you know, like the Chew or. Or a thousand different talk shows. That's <laughs> horrendous. One, One's yeah, worse well, than the next. Yeah, there's one star, and then you know, um, they don't really have to pay people. You That's know, exactly it. It became a money issue. It's just going to get too costly. But I have to tell you, people are craving it because just look at the popularity. I see it on Instagram. People in their twenties and thirties, they still know that Susan Lucci is Erica Kane, or that you <laughs> are funny. on. General Hospital and One Life to Live, and they still know the names of the Buchanan family and everybody tied to them. So people really want it. And every time I post something about it and I show my age, 
I can't tell you how many people respond to it and how many, I see a lot of people wanting to have live gatherings with people and they're more popular right now than a lot of the other events that are taking place live. So there is a craving for it and there is a lot of talent for it. There are so many people that would jump on the chance to uh, join the subs. I mean, I remember when Robert Newman went on to Young and Restless, how many people were excited because of Guiding Light. And God lights off like 25 years at least. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's true. So unfortunately, we lost three beautiful, talented actresses that you knew personally. And uh, when we spoke, we, I said, you know them all. And you said, Cindy, they were friends. And they it's very scary what's going on. So tell us a little bit about your memories of Jacqueline Zeman, because I remember her on One Life to Live as Lana McLean and then jumping on to General Hospital. And, I mean, she really was, at this point, General Hospital. I mean, she was yeah, the longest. I met her on General Hospital, and um, and she was, she was one of the sweetest people. I, I mean, there's so many adjectives that could describe her, but... She was a sweet person, you know, and that kind of came across on, on screen. I think, um, it was a, it, it wasn't a naivete, the innocence that she portrayed and that came across with her. It was just a real goodness. She was a good, good person, a good, a good girl, a good woman, a good friend, a good actress, um, a good cast member, a good castmate. Um, a good mom. She really was, uh, I mean, I just saw her. I had just seen her at a party. She was doing, um, there's a, there's this new genre of, um, soap operas called new media and they're really on TV. They're more on, um, on the web. Um, and this one was called, uh, the Bay. The Bay, right. And she's on, she was on there and there was a party over at uh, the producer's house. And I had done one episode, one campy kind of episode for fun once where I played a character called Olivia. Um, but they couldn't use my last name or anything. And it was a spoof on my character on the show. Um, but they, there's, there's only a handful of them. So they win tons of Emmy awards because they have this category with a handful of comp- competitors. So this show has like a thousand Emmy awards. <laughs> it's hysterical. Well, I think uh, that the daytime Emmys is a joke. I mean, what kind of competition is it when it's from four shows and one of them now is on Peacock? And I mean, how can you compare the winner when you had 14 shows in its heyday? I mean, mm-hmm. and now you have to add on all these other shows, which no one really watches unless you subscribe to them. Yeah, yeah, it's a different kind of thing. But it's still an honor to win an Emmy because you're voted for by your peers. Exactly. It was, uh, there were 84 people in the category of uh, Best Supporting Actress when I when I was, uh, when I, ha- you have to put yourself up um, back then. So I put myself up for Best Supporting Actress instead of Best Lead Actress. And um there were 84 people in that category and there were five of us that got nominated. And now it's, it's, right. And now it's, and it's totally different. There's 12 people, <laughs> but anyway, um, so it was, it was a really, and, and the lead actress category had 40, 40 people. 
right? And then- so would have been better off to be in that one, I guess. But I'll never forget it because it was the happiest. I have a long history of um, being teased as a kid and stuff like that. You've interviewed me before. So to have all these people vote for me really meant a tremendous amount to me. But anyway, so Jackie is like beautiful still and she's at this party and she comes over to talk to me and I was so excited to talk to her and I didn't really know because I hadn't really watched it and I didn't really know what she was doing there but I knew that a lot of my friends had made appearances on that show Tristan and different and um and she said she was having a really great time and um and we just had a lovely conversation and hung out for a while and I had no idea she was sick no I don't think most people knew. She really hid it from a lot of people from what I heard. I have no idea. I had no idea. And so when it happened, when they, when they made this announcement, it was, it was, oh, what a slap in the face. You know, it was like, oh my God, not Jackie, not Jackie. Right. Everybody and, had the uh, nicest things to say to her. And also everybody knew her as the mother of her two daughters and her grandchildren. It was like they were a part of the show as much as she was because she shared so much of them. Yeah, exactly. She was a wonderful mother and grandmother and, and loved it, you know, like, like I do. Um, I don't get to be a grandmother yet, but my kids are my life. So. And I uh, can vouch for that. I can actually vouch for this because <laughs> we talk about it all the time. Yeah, you we- didn't have a much on screen with her. Um, but. No. Because your characters really were in different families. But just the fact that she, I recall watching you in scenes with her, I guess, by the nurse's uh, stand and maybe the nurse's ball. Oh, and when I was, I wasn't at the ball, but I was in the hospital, you know, when I had amnesia, when I really had amnesia. And then when I was faking amnesia. And then when my dad was in the hospital. And um, when I was in love with Colton and he was in, he was with us in the hospital. I mean, we were, I was in the hospital a lot. It's general hospital. So there she was whenever I was in the hospital and we would have a scene or two together. Um, But uh, anyway, she's, she's really missed. Um, When Shel Kepler died. And that's going back for people who don't know that was Amy Vining, also another nurse. Yeah. And I, I had, I still don't, I, I, I still, she was like so young and just gone. And I don't know what happened to her. Um, but it was just, it's so, it's like, it's unbelievable. It's like, we all know that this is going to happen to everybody. It's just that you think it's going to happen to people so much later on, you know, um, not, not, not young people. And, and when people are your own age, you think you're so young. You know, I think of myself as really young and I'm really, I guess I'm not so much, but I think I am, you know, and I feel like I am. When um, you look at you're be- as beautiful as you were when you are on Capitol. Should we no, say how many years? I just read how many years no, it's off. It's like a big anniversary. <laughs> yeah, not true. I'm not that pretty anymore, but I mean, you I'm, but my God, back then, my daughter saw a picture of me yesterday. We were looking at her old nanny, one of her nannies, sent a photo album to us. And uh, and she goes, God, Mom, you were really pretty. I said, thanks, Bella. <laughs> well, I'm looking at you now. I know my audience can't, but I can see you. And without makeup, people, she is drop-dead gorgeous. Uh-oh. All right, let's talk about somebody who you probably had a lot more scenes with, and that was a real shocker, even though people knew she was sick. 
And she was really struggling with cancer for many years. And that was Andrea Evans of uh, One Life to Live. Nobody ever told me she was struggling with cancer. And I had done a show for her because she called me up and she said, um, I know that you probably had um, the casting couch as an issue in your life. And I'm doing this this documentary called Rock in the Couch. And do you have a story? I had so many stories. Oh God, I had so many stories. So, so we got together and we did, you know, I was in this, this movie. The only problem is they took the camera and they put it right in my face. I mean, my face, when I saw this at the theater, cause they had a screening, it, I, I could stand it. It was my, my, my face was taking up the whole screen. I was like, no, you know, videotape on this huge I was like no but the story was important to get out and um and I was just so honored that she you know because I went on that show and auditioned to replace Tina she she was gone and they were looking for a new one they never and, were able to even with great stars that they put into I'm not going to name who she made Tina and nobody accepted another Tina not not as much not as much but Karen um, did a good job. Um, Pat, I think Karen, right? Karen. I can Krista Tesla was also in it for a little while. From God, did she? Did, wait, really? Did she do Tina? I think she did also. But I think really people associate Tina and you so much with the uh, the Buchanan family and all the shenanigans that went on, and you guys vamped it up. I mean, you, wait. you look like you were having a ball because I always. Know, I used to float down the stairs to my dressing room afterwards. I swear I felt like I was floating on down the steps because I was never so happy ever, um, ever, ever. So anyhow, so when I got this, uh, this like alert on my telephone, I, I had no idea that she was sick. And, um, and I've been talking to Fiona recently because Fiona and the makeup artist at our, um, Renata, Renata Long and, um, Andrea and Fiona were like best friends. They went to England together. Um, they, Fiona's they, been they, sharing that on Instagram and she's been doing a lot of interviews. By the way, we're talking about Fiona Hutchinson, who's also an actress on One Life to Live. Yeah. And she's just a wonderful woman and really good friend of mine. And, um, so, you know, she was just devastated too. And so we've been sharing, mo- you know, moments about that. Um, so it, it was just, it was just a real shock, um, to me. Now you're saying that people knew she was sick. Some people did. I think I saw some posts about, that, but that she was like recovered and then she got remission again. But oh, they- see, I didn't. I didn't know that. That's just, what I read, but I'm only going by what I'm reading because so well, many people are in shock that, you know, and then I'm going to talk about somebody else you brought up to me that I actually probably missed who was even younger. She was 59 when she passed. And that was Rowan Booth, who died in July, who was um, Andy, Andy Harrison. <laughs> yeah, Jake's Jake's uh, sister on the show. Yeah. What a, and she had done a million other things too since then. She worked a lot. Um, you know, she was younger. She was working a lot more. It's just, it's just, um, God, you know, you just never know, do you? 
And it's not something you want to think about or acknowledge even, but we're not here for long. And, um, you know, my, my husband died, uh, it's a little, almost four years ago, Christmas. And, uh, he got sick when he was 64 and I took care of him until he passed when he was 68. He had pancreatic cancer and, um, and we, we invested just about everything we had in this European, um, treatment that kept him alive longer than he was supposed to be here for, which is why I need a job. <laughs> but, um, well, we're going to work, but I have to tell you, you brought up a very good point. All four people you mentioned, including your husband passed away from all kinds of cancers from all over the body. And it's very, very scary. You think in this modern age with all our medicines, with all our advanced technology, with all our social media, and yet just look what's going on. There's something yeah. that we're not doing right. Yeah. Well, this this treatment that we got was incredibly expensive and it was all natural. And it was a serum made of vegetables and fruit and and it was really thick and I guess they have to cook it on a low temperature for like a week and it just it just and it could come in a little um a little vial like a little little bottle and it would have a scientific number on the front of it and we'd have to freeze it and when it came over they had to call it chicken soup vegetable soup i mean called it vegetable soup because he would have been arrested for sending this anything that would have said it was medical but it didn't have anything unnatural in it um and now that man's gone oh wow and and, um so my friends and i are trying to get enough money together to get the two people that worked for him to give us the you know the recipe for it so that we might be able to save other people's lives um so, but you know, we are actually wrapping up here because we have to go to a commercial. But can we actually have you back and talk about this? Because uh we have so many people who are interested in uh these, you know, new ideas about curing cancer. Okay, well, I have to put I have to pitch my new podcast. Go ahead. It's called The Dating Diary. Um, the truth about dating in 2023. And it's going to have so many funny stories about online dating and, and people's successes and probably a lot of horror stories and funny stories and crazy stories and, uh, and then hints and then people that are really good at matchmaking and people that are really good at helping you figure out who's good for who and the astrology piece and all that stuff. And I want to see this. This sounds like a lot of fun. It's going to be great. So I just want to do, it'll be on YouTube and I just wanted to pitch that. Well, you're going to come back when it's on and we're going to talk more about that too, because you're always welcome on the Jewess Patriot. Tanya Walker Davison, thank you so much for sharing your memories and thank you for all the work you do. And, uh, we'll see you soon. You're always back on. Thanks a lot. So much for having Take me. Take care. Thanks.
Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. And I am super excited about having Brian Schultz from the Freshwater Pearl Company back with us. Because when we started our venture, it was just to do a couple of advertisements and voiceovers. And little by little, uh, Brian saw that I really have an interest in this product. It's not just an advertisement, but a lifestyle choice for me, being my name is Zisel Peril Sweet Pearl. And he allowed me to work with his designers and to really bring something brand new to the Freshwater Pearl Company. And everybody, this weekend, I am debuting on my social media. Brian's going to really have it this week on his social media. And we're going to be talking about it because I see pearls as the number one summer trend going into winter trend. And I see a particular style of necklace coming in. And we're going to talk about that as we dis- as we talk about the newest piece. Brian, thanks for joining us. And thanks for including me in the creative process of designing necklaces. Of course. It's great to be back, Cindy. You wear them so well. And uh, I couldn't be happier for you to continue to promote and share additional ideas and thoughts on uh, on new designs. So thank you. So without any more anticipation, let's share that we are debuting. Actually, your company is, but I am also the brand new all white pearl. That's freshwater pearls with Baroque ends, nice size Baroques. It's a lariat that you can make into a toque necklace, which is the number one trend this fall in necklaces of any kind. And, uh, it is just stunning. It's called the Denise. Tell us more about it. Yeah. So the Denise is, um, and I think we've talked about this before, Baroque. Pearls are definitely a popular trend uh, for jewelry, especially with pearl jewelry. And uh, we we debuted the Denise in a dark gray and a silver pearl. And per your recommendation and creativeness, we now will debut it in the white. And the reason I think lariats are taking off so well is because of the versatility. There's so many different ways you can wear a lariat. You can scarf a lariat. You can tie it in a little bolo in front. And the great thing about them is that versatility, especially when you're traveling, you know, you could take one piece of jewelry like the Denise Lariat necklace and you could have three or five or five, three or four or five, excuse me, different looks all with the same necklace. And like the toque you mentioned, you can wrap it multiple times. There's just so many things that you can do with it. And the Lariat continue to be a great seller. Very, very popular right now. The versatility, I think, is just off the charts, and uh, we're excited to showcase the all-white pearl Denise Lariat necklace. And I'm so excited to wear it. Um, I'm actually going to officially debut it over Labor Day weekend at a party I am going to, and uh, it's very reasonably priced. And as always, portions of the profits from the Freshwater Pearl Company go to uh various organizations tied to cancer because of the uh personal uh story that uh its founder Brian has and uh just re- remind our audience again. Yes, so uh really the Freshwater Pro Company was born uh, uh a legacy. And it's a legacy to honor my mom and her 19-year journey with breast cancer. We donate 2% of gross sales to breast cancer awareness and various nonprofits that help women and families experiencing breast cancer. 
And so it's a big part of what we do. And uh, I am just honored and privileged to be able to to honor my mom and her legacy each and every day and appreciate the support of our customers and being able to do that 2% give back to women and families going through cancer. And I just want to tell everybody that this is just one of a few new items that will be previewed for fall for holiday time. People who are shopping early, we're going to have updates regularly uh, through the show, through the social media, and you're going to see some surprises from the company that uh, you're going to be very happy about. Uh, there are several people who have come on board, and we're not going to name them today. You're going to see them, let them make the announcement. But this is going the next level. Uh, people everywhere are finding pearls in your uh, company from necklaces, rings, earrings. I mean, you have such a wide selection of earrings and, of course, uh, necklaces and bracelets that uh, it's for everybody, from mother-daughter to brides to mother and and, uh, the bride and groom to grandmothers, which is really, really, really important. Yeah, I think you, I, I think, I know we range from something like $29 up to a little over a thousand dollars for all broke pearl necklace, which is stunning and love it. Um, but I, I don't want to say I want to be all things to all people, but we really do. We have a lot of versatile type designs. So we have leather, we have suede, we have seed beads, we have crystals, we have all freshwater pearl strands like the Denise Lariat like necklace that we're talking about today. And I think that's what keeps customers coming back. I think I shared with you once before, Cindy, and you know, I'm humbled and I'm honored that one out of four customers um, that purchase the first time typically come back within 30 days and purchase again. So over a 25% repeat customer rate. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone that continues to support the company, allows us to give back and um, continue to give us feedback for, like you do, what other designs and what other pieces could we create that can appeal to our audience? Well, everybody who knows me, this is a hint of something coming up. And I'm going to debut it at New York Fashion Week at one of the top, top shows. It is going to be something that looks like a one of a kind because it's going to be a one of a kind. But it's going to be a one of a kind just for a few select customers because each one is going to be a little bit different based on the pearls. Again, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. So uh, website, thefreshwaterprocompany.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at the Freshwater Pro Company. Brian, as always, thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for being a part of my life, uh, Ziesel Pearl, which means sweet pearl. And for all the women out there that you have uh, enhanced their lives, their wardrobes, and the many more to come. Thank you, Cindy. I really appreciate you having me and being able to sponsor your Pearls of Wisdom for this summer. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome back. And joining us now is a familiar face to our, a familiar voice also to our audience because, uh, 
I'm very lucky to call Regina Kravitz not only an award-winning fashion designer, but a good friend. We know each other many, many years. We actually met front row at a fashion show way before COVID, way before so many things were going on in uh, the fashion industry. And through it all, she still has one of the most powerful voices because she was one of the most successful designers in the heyday of department stores when everybody was shopping in stores instead of online. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, that's well said, Cindy. (laughs) I must say the uh, terrain has changed a lot. And yet you you seem to be busier than ever. You are very involved in Hamptons Fashion Week. I know that you are always working with people in the industry about uh, educating people about what's going on in the industry, mentoring new designers, and even going to a lot of the shows for the upcoming September Fashion Week. Tell us a little bit what's going on in the Hamptons because – a lot of people are asking me uh, what is going on in the Hamptons because they see so much of the Hamptons on the reality shows and on, you know, in the gossip comms like page six and stuff like that. And now they have their own fashion week. Tell us just a little bit about it. Well, the Hamptons have changed drastically. I, I've been going to the Hamptons for years and uh, years ago, it was towns. You went to Southampton, East Hampton. Now it's a whole conglomerate of the Hamptons. And it's really a hyper crazy super outpost of New York City. And the whole vibe involved with New York City, which is style, fashion, dress up, showing, and um the Hampton Fashion Week is uh, not so much a showcase, an open showcase for lots of independent lines like New York Fashion Week is. It's a ticketed event and it's a fashion extravaganza, which uh, consists of, I, I believe they have a cocktail party, but on Saturday, um At the Southampton Inn, there are five spectacular fashion shows, and each one is different. And I became involved with sort of helping the promoter, and she is giving me a spot on the roster, not because I'm showing a new line. Some of this may be for sale, but mostly it's a a testament to the timelessness of what I did design. So a lot of the pieces are from the 80s, but they're still current. They're unbelievable looking. They are uh, things taken out of several collections. But what I am known for and what I did many things for many years, but my biggest contribution to the whole fashion movement was really the Uh, commercialization of the jumpsuit. And this happened in the late 70s. So there were some people, jumpsuits were like more or less an item, different top designers, Halston, Giorgio DeSantangelo would put on a celeb and it was a night piece. 
And we put one on our line that was affordable for a younger woman. And it was the perfect nighttime uniform. It had wide padded shoulders. It was cut low. And it had a roomy kind of pant. It had tapered waist, but a roomy kind of pant that that girl could dance and go out and accessorize. And she had a uniform for the night. I just want to say, I... I want to, first of all, tell everybody what department stores they had in because you were everywhere. And number two, I see two big fashion trends that I think are going to travel into New York Fashion Week. Number one, of course, is the Barbie pink trend that everybody's oh, for doing. Sure. But the bigger, the bigger trend, which you're relating to, which I'm more focused in on, is the ageless trend of the 70s and 80s that we're seeing so much vintage on the reboot of Sex and the City on And Just Like That, because so much of that is vintage, timeless, and ageless that you're seeing on the girls and the other characters that are in their 30s through their 60s. And it's quite amazing the um how uh, I think that is just going to be a wake-up call of people how important vintage shopping is and keeping stuff. Because look at the value of what your jumpsuit is today as opposed to what it was when it was originally sold. Well, it's probably selling for the same thing, which wasn't a lot then. But, you know, if I sold Don't be it, surprised. Now, maybe I have seen young people. I've gone to art galleries with one of my vintage jumpsuits in a bright color. They were in a rayon tissue file. And now, of course, some of these bright colors are totally what's happening now. But yes, vintage is huge. We are reshopping. We're looking to the past for the styling of the future. I'm not so sure all vintage is ageless. <clears throat> some of it is very dated. But a lot of vintage at the time was also borrowed from movies of the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. So in a way, this whole visual influx is was that was, I think, incorporated into the 80s is now coming back. It's like seeing a huge history of a lot of fashion. And I think social media has a lot to do with that. Oh, and also the fact that there are so many places. It's not just New York Fashion Week. It's it's not just, you know, Paris. It's places all over the country that are having smaller fashion weeks. And everybody wants to stand out to get that picture on someone's social media blog or to stand out that uh, perhaps they can make money from the photo because of their individuality as a stylist. To, again, remind everybody some of the stores that they bought your designs. Well, I think every major department store, which we had then, from Bloomingdale's, Saks, uh, all the stores on the West Coast, iMagnon, Neiman Marcus, Robinson's, Bullock's, and tons and tons of paraphernalia. Uh, there were just a ton of different, you know, because she didn't go on the Internet. They didn't service it that way. Ann Taylor who really was responsible for launching my career in the beginning. Uh, they helped me buy fabric. And you have to understand that I was in business like four or five years. 
and I had a little business and a lot of boutiques. And when the jumpsuit came along, it was so popular. All the stores were lined up literally outside our showroom to buy it. It was phenomenal. It was like a quota. So in the Hampton Fashion Week, there are other things I'm showing, but it's really basically jumpsuits. And they're all different. Uh, some are playful. Some are dramatic night. Um, but they, they are all jumpsuits. And ironically, I've had to buy some back on the Internet. Wow. Like I have a big archive, but I've had to go searching for some I don't have. There were They're like your babies, that's them. why. Yeah. So, uh, and they're very relevant. And the models that we I fit them on are all 20-somethings, and they love them. They were like, whoa. But I think what's important is that even in the initial styles, they were very conscious of flattering the female silhouette. The shoulder pads weren't too big. They weren't comic-y, which a lot of the 80s were. And um, because my background, I had a mother who was a fashionista, but I was also a ballet dancer. That's what I trained for. And so I had a really big awareness of how to sculpt and flatter the female form. And you still do. And it's very obvious in... I mean, I remember when we had you in the New York Post article, how yeah, active you are and, and how many people responded to it. Just my last question before we go, what do you see as some of the trends for the fall? Some of the things you think we will see at New York Fashion Week? Well, a lot of tailoring is coming back. The suit is coming back. Uh, the pant is shorter and flared. There's a lot of this whole we're going back after having crazy prints and colors and being it's always like that bombarded visually. We have to clean our palette a little. There's a lot of monochromatic dressing. I think colors are much softer. There'll be grays, uh, mauves. It's not black dependent at all. There's a whole subtle way of uh, head to toe dressing. I think, again, accessories will be important. Well, for us, pearls are going to be. I see pearls everywhere. And, uh, I couldn't be more proud of because I, I, well, you're in that peril. Right. But I do see them everywhere from the choker and the toque necklace to the lariats down to even 48 inches. People are buying and wrapping them around because I think there is now, uh, sort of, we're going back to a little bit more of a formal lady look. That's not to say, and and in that lady look, there's also a kind of uh, um, any sex boy chic look, you know. So it's not like lady lady. It's but it's a family. Women want to dress up. Way of dressing, and it's strong and it's confident. And yes, pearls. I'm showing pearls in the show. And I've always loved pearls. So, Regina, I, we love having you. You have to come back. I'm sure we're going to go to some shows together. We're going to overlap. Yeah, you'll be in touch. Yes, and we love having you. And thank, thank you, you for a preview of what you're doing. Where can our audience find you? Uh, my Instagram is Regina Kravitz Style and Fitness. And... Everybody, I could tell you, you go there, you will sit with your mother and your grandmother, your sisters, your friends, 
and even everybody from different backgrounds, and you're going to say, wow, that's us. And that's what she was known for in the 70s and 80s, and that's what she's known for today. And that's why she's part of a very brand new breed of uh, fashion show. Thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. You're welcome, Cindy. Have a beautiful day. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. I'm Brian Schultz, founder of the Freshwater Pro Company. I created the company to honor my mom's legacy and her 19-year journey with breast cancer. I watched all the support she needed along her journey, and it was on my heart to find a way to give back and support other women and families experiencing breast cancer as well. Giving back is a big part of what we do. We donate 2% of our gross online sales to support many nonprofit organizations like Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, the American Cancer Society, and Runway for Recovery, to name a few. To help support our mission of giving back, please keep the Freshwater Pro Company in mind this month when you need a gift for a friend, family, or loved one. We have many pieces on sale this month and have also curated a number of prepackaged combo sets and gift ideas. We have packages made from our most popular pearl types, ranging from Baroque freshwater pearls to coin pearls, as well as our unique and stylish Keshi pearls for all types of budgets and design. You can shop our combo packages and gift ideas at thefreshwaterprocompany.com. Thank you for supporting both our mission and our business. And we welcome you back in to the Jewess Patriot Show with Cindy Gross. My name, Drew Shelton, your American Patriot DJ. And before we leave you on this day, I just want to share with you my final thoughts. Today, it's National Radio Day. Here we are on radio. Radio is magical. And as I leave you today, I want to play a song for you because this classic song, going back to the 1970s, it tells the story of a young woman who is obsessed with the famous singer, spends her days listening to the radio, hoping to catch a glimpse of her idol, Karen Carpenter's amazing vocals in this song. It captures the power of the radio to transport us to another world, and it just makes us feel like anything is possible, and that's a message we need today. Until next week... Love somebody, be kind, and choose joy in this crazy world. See ya.
This is Cindy Gross, the Jewess Patriot. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for watching the Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program as well as previous ones available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on the Jewish Patriot Show.